Good morning, and welcome into a fresh edition of the Shy State Pod, folks. I'm Sam Brief. Thrilled, as always, to have you along for the ride on the other end of this microphone. I'm here in my home studio in Chicago, and talk today to someone who's been in Chicago for a long, long time, and that's John Eskra. John's a Chicagoland lifer. He went to Marist High School, then he went to Chicago State. He first got his foot in the door at Fox Sports Chicago back in 1994, and he's been there ever since, serving as executive sports producer since 2003. Now, think of all John's seen in his time at Fox. Think the Jordan Bulls runs. Think the White Sox, the Cubs winning the World Series, three Blackhawks Stanley Cups, the Bears going to a Super Bowl. So he's experienced a lot, he's worked a lot, and he first cut his teeth in TV as a student at Chicago State, making music videos, working men's basketball games for a team that made it to the NAIA Final Four during his time there. So a lot of great stories from John, both from his time at CSU and from the grand Chicago sports TV career that followed. Now a message from our partners at BSN Sports, the largest provider of team sports equipment and apparel in the country. They'd like to thank all the coaches out there who truly are the heart of the game. While BSN Sports is the best at equipping athletes, coaches are the best at equipping lives, and that's the real final score. Learn more about how BSN Sports can save you time off the field by giving you more time to impact lives on it. Just call your local BSN Sports sales pro or visit bsnsports.com today. And now without further ado, the next guest on the Shy State Pod is John Eskra. Yeah, I was pretty confident I wanted to do television and uh, I was accepted at uh, Illinois State and Southern and I was just looking for another option. And I saw that the, that Chicago State had a, a TV program, so I took a shot. And um, it turns out that, that not only did I get accepted, but I got a scholarship. And the scholarship made it a no-brainer. I mean, it was going to go to college for free, so I'm going to I'm going to you know give it a shot. And it turned out to be a great decision. Yeah, that's a life lesson. When someone says, "I will give you free money," generally saying yes is a good idea. Absolutely. My parents were pretty happy, and uh, my checking account was happy, and it all worked out. And you were happy. I see the smile on your face thinking about your CSU days. You said it paid off. You clearly enjoyed your time. What was the television program like? Like, What kind of stuff were you able to do, let's say, as a freshman? Well, the best part about it is, uh, you know, number one, it's a, it was a really small program, which you know may sound like a bad thing, but in television, it's a good thing because we got a ton of hands-on. I mean, I was doing everything right away. And, you know, there were probably only, uh, I mean, in, in, in my circle, there were probably only 20 or 30 people in, um, in, in the major at the time. So, you know, everybody got to do everything and we got to do a lot. And, it, you know, the experience, you know, learning about it was important, but the experience made it, hands-on experience made it even better. So it's, uh, it, it was a great opportunity and um, I, I, the the people I was with were great, and the, the couple teachers that I was in contact with were great. One of them I still stay in contact with today, and um, I don't regret the decision at all, ever. When you say hands-on experience, what did that look like day-to-day? Well, I mean, there were, um, you know, there were, we, the studio, which is still there, 
Um, you know, you got to work in the studio in the control room. You know, some people served as talent, some people served as camera operators. You know, that type of thing. So, um, which is basically what I do now. So that that hands-on was important, but there was also field classes where you took cameras out and shot in the field and did stories out on campus or off campus. And you know, another part of the job, which uh, you know I don't do as much these days, but um, but that's you know we that's what it was. I mean, like I said, there were only a handful of kids doing it and everybody got to do everything. You got to use the equipment, which was uh, really important. Do you remember any of your early stories? Um, no, thank God. <laughs> I, I do remember we, we, one of the, one of the things we had to do was a, uh, we had to do a, music videos were really hot back then, you know, the whole MTV thing. So, uh, we had to actually do our, we had, we had to produce our own, Music. We had to we had to do two. We had to be in one. We had to star in your own music video, and then you had to produce someone else's. And um, I remember doing that, and as uncomfortable as I've ever felt in my life, being on camera lip syncing to a song. And it was. Uh, I mean, I still have it, and I look at it, and I laugh, and it turned out really well. But it was. I mean, I never wanted to be on camera. I always wanted to be behind the scenes. So to force someone on camera, doing something out of your comfort level. Um, that was horrifying, but it, it was fun, and we all had a good time doing it. You just said the four words I really wanted to hear. I still have it. Oh, yeah. What song was it? Uh, it was uh, Chasing Shadows by Kansas. And what was your shtick? Um, it, was, it was simple. It was just... Uh, it was just uh, playing piano, being a piano player, and in the background there was a couple dancing in in the shadow. So I mean, it was. So you were the piano player. I was faking being a piano player. I was faking singing too. So. <laughs> You're a real poser. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I w- I won't make you send me the video, but if you wanted to, you could. Yeah, that'll, that'll take some effort. I'm not sure which box of tapes it's in, so <laughs> we'll probably pass on that. Yeah, I don't want to give you too much homework. You're you're a busy enough guy. So you did all this television production. What was the role of sports during your CSU tenure? Uh, almost zero, actually, because uh, you know the classes didn't didn't really specify sports. I mean, it was you know learning television until. I want to say it was end of sophomore. It was the, it was the basketball season of sophomore year. The, um, you know, believe it or not, back in the day, the Chicago State basketball team was a dynasty. Uh, my sophomore year, they went to the NAIA Final Four. I mean, they were like, it was something like 25-3 and three or something. I mean, they were dominating. And they went to the Final Four. And, and that year we started, um, you know, as a, a nighttime chance to, to get some experience the, the the teachers that were there Pete Shapiro um, kind of spearheaded it to uh, we televised the uh, the games um, we, we recorded them believe it or not we recorded them on three quarter inch tape and we got NBC uh, uh, what is now NBC Sports Chicago used to be called Sports Vision they used to drive the tapes over to Sports Vision and they would run the game after they were done with Bulls and Blackhawks coverage and stuff, we'd get like a 1 a.m. time slot, believe it or not, to uh, run the Chicago State game, which we recorded in the gym with a full crew. I mean, we had, um, you know, producer, director, Pete Shapiro did play-by-play. 
We had cameras on the floor. I mean, it was a big deal. And that's when I caught the bug. It was like, oh, this is what I want to do. I mean, this is, I mean, not only can I do television, which was kind of my love, but to be able to do it in sports, I'm like, this is it. I was, I was in a hundred percent at that point, but you know, as a bunch of college kids to have our games air on local television, I mean, it was 1am. I'm not an idiot. I know no one saw it. <laughs> it, it. It didn't really exist, but for us, I mean, our games were being televised and it was uh, the greatest thing in the world. And that was uh we did that for the better part of a, uh, two years, I think. It was it was great. I know the bug you're talking about because I've caught it myself. And in a basketball game, the energy when you have a full crew, you've got announcers, cameras on the floor, director, producer, everyone on the same team. Like That team is much like a basketball team, right? Where everyone has to work in synchrony. And that's really cool that it was a lot of students. What percentage of that crew would you say were Chicago State students? Oh, it was all. It was student-driven. I mean, the whole thing. Oh, all of them. Okay. Oh, yeah. It had to be a student. I mean, he couldn't, uh, you know, we didn't We didn't have anyone else come and do it. But that, that was the, you know, no one's getting paid. Everybody was doing it for experience. We weren't even doing it for credit. I mean, we were just doing it for fun. And uh, it was, it was, it was for sure my best memory of Chicago State, without question. And that 84 season, that's the one you're talking about where they went to the Final Four. Team really kicked butt. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I got to be, um, you know, not real close friends, but I got to be close with Bob Hallberg. And, um, you know, we stayed in touch over the years. And, I mean, it was, you know, we, we did stuff. We did, like, a fake coaches show. And, you know, I mean, it was it was the real deal of what is done in sports now, which just was done at Chicago state with our Mickey mouse equipment and, you know, stuff that was certainly not state of the art, but man, we pulled it off and it was, we were so proud of the product. It was just a, a great time and a great experience. And we all kind of grew together. And um, like I said, I still keep in touch with a couple of those guys, the guy that did color, I still stay in touch with him. And it, it was, um, it was a great opportunity that not everyone in a broadcasting program ever gets. Yeah, to do live basketball games and yeah. any game. I mean, it, it, that energy—it's—it's it's really contagious. What was your role on those broadcast crews? I actually have some pictures. I did floor camera a couple times. Um, towards the end, um, I did—I directed a couple, which you know was—that's what really got me excited about television was being able to direct because there's nothing. There's no drug out there that beats directing a live sporting event. I mean, it's it's insane. I actually got to do a couple of things once I started working and getting paid for it, and I'll tell you, it was um, it was great. I mean, I, I I my my the fork in my road took me producing, but had it taken me directing, I would have been I would have been completely happy with being a director if I was able to uh, get enough work. So for the folks at home who don't really know the intricacy of what a director does versus a producer, give me an idea. Well, um, you know, director is in the truck, in the seat, calling the cameras, picking what replay to use, putting in graphics. I mean, he's basically the, uh, the orchestra uh, director and, you know, keeping the rig on the road, as we like to say. The producer kind of oversees things. He does a lot of the setup. Um, sometimes we'll direct the director where to go. Um, so it's, it's more big picture, but doesn't have his hands necessarily on, um, the overall product, but the specific product that's, that you're seeing at home, the director is, 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 is responsible for it a hundred percent. 
I don't know if that made any sense, but <laughs> no, it, it does to me. Being in a TV truck in a huge moment, putting your eyes on the director is a magical thing. I'm thinking final out of a playoff game or even just after a touchdown in football or a big highlight reel dunk in a basketball game. If you look at the director, director's going berserk. And the more cameras, the merrier, because it might be a 30, 40 camera broadcast and the director is pointing, all right, two, ready, two, three, ready, three, four. You know, it's it's a wild experience to watch. And um, I can tell it got you hooked. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to do a college basketball game or a, a high school game where you've got four, maybe six cameras. But if you get up into the real world where, you know, I mean, like the last Super Bowl had, what, 100 cameras or maybe oh, yeah. that. Plus, you know, God knows how many tape decks and that. I mean, it's I, I don't even know how they do it. I mean, I've gotten to know Jim Angio pretty well, who's done the Bulls and the White Sox over the years, and I've sat in the truck and watched him. And I have I, I really have no idea how they pull that off on a nightly basis because the stress alone would be enough to put you in the emergency room, you know. Yeah, well, I've watched Jim before, and your comparison to an orchestra conductor totally see it i mean he's pointing gesticulating with his hands and his body he's into it it's it's like creating music and what you see on the screen is really up to the director like you said producer you know oversees the whole production of it uh but when you see that really beautiful close-up shot of a player struggling or an awesome fan shot or that's the director right Oh, for sure. And, well, you know, you mentioned the teamwork part of it. Um, one of the guys that I work with at Fox very closely does freelance in the truck, and he does um, tape. Well, what is tape now? You know, the, the digital thing. But he's he's in charge of re- one of the replay decks. And, you know, those guys have to be on it, too, because they're looking for things all the time as well. And um, the audio is always looking for for things. I mean, it's it, like you said, it's a, it's, a, it's a team that no one really understands. Everybody sees what it – what a good football play looks like when everybody's executing TV trucks, exactly the same way. If everybody's executing, I mean, it's, it's as good as it gets. And when they don't execute, you can tell, cause there's usually some type of a mistake on the air. And you know, that's what they, if number one is you strive for it to be clean. I mean, it can be great, but it's gotta be clean. It can be mediocre, but it's gotta be clean. You don't want any on air mistakes to happen. Mistakes do happen though. Sure. Tell me the worst one you ever experienced in a live production. I don't know about a live production. I mean, um, any production. Thank God there's nothing that stands out. But I had um, when I, I was back back when I was starting out, I was working for, you know, again, Sports Vision became Sports Channel, which became Fox Sportsnet. And when I was working at Sports Channel, um, I was running. Uh, I was doing audio most of the time, but I was also one of the photographers. I was shooting things and I had to go to Notre Dame to, uh, we did, we taped a segment for the Lou Holtz show back in the day. And, uh, we got to the, we, we had, I don't even remember the circumstances, but, uh, we were standing outside the practice field waiting for practice to end. And they had to do some stuff with Lou Holtz and they had the camera set up, ready to go. We were right outside where they told us to be. And, um, I had the camera up on the tripod and audio's ready to go. The producer's there. We're all set. And Lou Holtz walks up, and a gust of wind blew the camera off the tripod, and the lens hit the ground and snapped off the camera. (laughs) 
and we just the three of us just stood there and looking at it going okay well we're done i mean that's that that's the end of the day because the, literally the lens had snapped off i mean it not not just fell off it broke off and there was no fixing it and packed up and went home and um i've uh, i've kept that memory at the forefront and now i'm like mr i'm mr anal about if I see a camera unattended on top of a tripod, I walk up and say, take your camera off and put it on the ground. Even if it's inside and there's no wind because you don't make that mistake a second time. What did Lou Holtz say? He just laughed and walked away. You know, he was so busy. He didn't really, he didn't really care. The producer to her credit. I mean, I was killing myself on the way home because now you got a two and a half hour drive back to the station and I was just killing myself. And she's like, don't worry about it. That's what insurance is for knowing quite well that inside she was just seething because they didn't have what they needed and they had to go back the next day to do it again. So let me learn. Got a lot of respect for your producer in that situation because it's oh, not yeah, easy when you're me. seething she inside. Oh yeah. She could have fired me and I would have had to take a, a taxi back home. But you know, to her credit, she, uh, you know, she bit her tongue the whole ride home. That's a good leader right there. I admire that. She's actually still working too. As she was, she did the White Sox game in Arizona the other day. I saw. So. Oh really? So she's down in the desert heat right now. Yeah. Yep. Lucky her. So John, you've been at Fox now for quite some time. You've been the executive sports producer since '03. Can you tell me how you first got your foot in the door and then rose the ranks at Fox? Well, in. Uh... In 94, I was working at Sports Channel, or I don't even remember what it was at that time. And um, I was producing and directing, and I was enjoying it. I had a great crew. We had a great time. But, you know, I had started my family, and I wasn't making a ton of dough. And my five-year plan had kind of stalled. And I, I honestly was getting pretty close to pulling the plug on the, on the career and going to do something else because I just wasn't moving as fast as – as I had hoped. So, you know, of course you're applying for everything in the country that you could possibly apply for. And I saw that Fox was uh, looking for a sports producer. So I said, what the heck I'll apply. And that was the year that uh, the NFC, uh, when, when Fox took over football and the NFC went to um, the Fox stations. So um, I got a call from um, a guy at uh, at Fox and he brought me in and somehow I, <laughs> I worked my way and you know through the interview and they hired me and I was the weekend producer and one thing led to another and 25 years later I'm still there so I again it was a it was a, a right time at the right place and um, you know Greg Miller was the producer at the time who actually works for the Bears now and I mean I owe, I pretty much owe him everything because if it wasn't for for him I probably wouldn't be in television. What's the day to day now as the executive producer? Now in COVID or now normally? <laughs> Let's start normal because hopefully it'll go back to that soon enough. Yeah. Well, normally, um, you know, I'm responsible for all of our newscasts. Um, you know, our staff has shrunk a little bit over the years, so it's uh, not as difficult to manage, you know, the four people total that we have. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, we um, I've also turned into an editor because when we, when we left videotape uh, in the mid-2000s, everything's done digitally now. So, I mean, I had to learn how to edit digitally. So I basically put together, you know, the uh, three or four days a week, I put together the newscasts and our Sunday night show. 
Um, I'm also responsible for all our Bears programming, so a lot of it um, is putting in rundowns, uh, booking guests, you know, all of that type of stuff. Um, I have another full-time producer who splits the workload with me, and, um, you know, it's uh, putting the news of the day on, and uh, same as in the truck, you try to be clean, try to make no mistakes, and um, so it's a, it's a little more programmed now because we kind of do the same thing every day, just picking out the best stories and the best video. Um, I, I, I manage the department, manage in quotes because there's really not much to do other than schedules and booking credentials and travel and things like that when we were doing it. Um, the biggest part of my job right now is the Bears. Um, we have pregame, postgame shows, and then our Sunday night show all on, um, on Sundays. It's, uh, you know, an 18-hour day, which I'm getting a little old for, but uh, um, it's still football, and it's uh, it shows that, that people are watching. I mean, that's, uh, the, you know, a lot, of, a lot of eyes on what we do during football season. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's very busy. This is a little quieter time, especially with COVID. We're not traveling, and we're not doing NCAA credentials and all that kind of stuff, which gets chaotic. But uh, um it's kind of our downtime here before we rev up football uh, later in the in the in the spring and into the summer. Football certainly has eyes. I mean, I read yesterday the NFL just got a hundred ten billion dollars over ten years for their new TV deals. So, yeah, a lot of eyes. None of that, which uh, none of that I see. I can guarantee. You right, that. right. <laughs> I thought you saw like half of that. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> So, John, you've been working in Chicago for a while. I assume a lot of the listeners to this podcast are Chicago sports fans, many of whom have probably watched your product, your your telecasts on Fox. What's something that you would want a casual Chicago sports fan to know about what goes into what you do? Well, um, the difficult thing for us at Fox has always been that we're on at 9 o'clock. So, you know, we're up against a lot of primetime dramas and award shows and sporting events themselves. And, you know, we, we, we sometimes don't get the uh, recognition maybe that we should because people don't think to turn to us. I mean, you know, it's uh, the game's over. People turn to the 10 o'clock shows. And I get it. I mean, I do the same thing when I'm off. Um, but I wish more people would check us out. I mean, Luke Kanellis and Caitlin Sharkey are, are two talent, and they, they do a great job. And I think we do, and of course I'm biased, but I think we do a pretty good job covering sports. Um, and, you know, we just, we just kind of get lumped. And plus we're going against WGN and Tom Skilling, and sometimes we get lost in the, in the shuffle. You know, give us a try. I mean, check us out. I'd love for you to see our Sunday night show. Our sports show is uh, – uh, it's been there for years. We've been doing it for 25 years. And, um, you know, again, it's just, it's tough because we're up against the last hour of the Oscars or, you know, the other newscasts. So it's, uh, that's the only, the, the only detriment to us is that we're on a little earlier than everybody else. And it's uh, sometimes difficult to find an audience, but we're always trying. I've been watching Lou for a long time, Lou Canellis. He does a tremendous job. And there's something to be said for watching the analysis and coverage from a local perspective because I'm just thinking NFL right now. There's so much national coverage. You can turn on ESPN, NFL Network. You can listen to stuff on the radio podcast, I and mean, it's all league-centric. But to get it 
just from the Chicago lens. Now, maybe it you drive you nuts depending on how the Bears are doing, which often isn't so hot, but there's something to be said for getting that local angle. Yeah, for sure. And actually, um, we've made a concerted effort over the last couple of years to do even more than that. Um, you know, we've gotten uh, some criticism, you know, on Twitter and, and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, like our Sunday night show, we don't show a ton of golf or, or NASCAR or tennis. We don't show a lot of the national sports. You know, I mean, we'll do that in our newscast, but we don't do it in the sports zone. Um, Cause we try to give that time to talking about whatever the topic is of the day, whether it's the bears or, you know, loyal Illinois this coming Sunday, if that happens um, you know, that type of thing, we, we, we like to spend more time on the local stories and not focus on the national stuff. And uh, it seems to be working. I mean, it's uh, we've gotten some, some good reaction to the show and um, you know, we spend far more time being able to talk about those things that are hot in the sports world locally than spending time on national stories which you know espn does 24 7 it seems you mentioned loyola illinois by the time this podcast is out that game will have already happened so people can either listen to you through the lens of oh okay he was right on loyola and illinois each winning or and that game didn't happen it was georgia tech drexel (laughs) so let's see if you're an oracle or not well, I already put a preliminary rundown in for Sunday night, and I put Illinois Loyola at the top of the show. So, And I already built the graph, so it's got to happen. Okay, well, then then it's going to happen. We'll, we'll, we'll find out when we <laughs> listen back to the podcast if it happened. <laughs> but I trust you. I trust you. Um, so, John, I'm, I'm curious. So much has happened in Chicago sports during your time at Fox, right? The Bulls runs. The White Sox winning the World Series, Cubs, Bears going to the Super Bowl. What would you say was the best day on the job? Well, I mean, the the White Sox winning the World Series was the moment in in my local sports fandom i mean that was it, it, it really doesn't get any better than that i mean i'm i i am I, I my love is with another football team so i can't really speak about the bears in this comment but um <laughs> uh the white Sox winning the world series was the greatest thing i've experienced beyond my football team and, and um but you know what to, to specifically answer your question the, maybe the greatest day ever was one of the worst days in Chicago sports was the day Jordan retired because if, if memory serves, I mean, Jordan retired, the White Sox had a playoff game. Um, the Blackhawks fired their coach. I believe the Cubs did something like every team made a front page story that day. And we had to cover all five of them. It was unbelievable. And it was just, I mean, of course, Jordan, you know, blew everything out of the water, but in addition to that, there were, you know, all, all the other teams made a you know, major announcement or major, uh, a major event happened in their history that same exact day. And it was just, I'll never forget that day. It was like, oh, it was, it was working. I mean, because the Jordan press conference happened pretty early. So we were already up there at, you know, for the morning show at six or seven in the morning. And that day never ended. It just went on and on and on. It was crazy. That's the best thing for live TV is stuff happening. And that was a day with a capital D in Chicago sports. Yeah, it was uh, it was insane. 
Who's your football team? Well, if you see over my shoulder, of course, this wasn't working on the podcast, but uh, I've been a lifelong Denver Broncos fan. Oh, I see that. Mile High Stadium. Yeah. So I've been to, uh, I was at both uh, the first two Super Bowls that they won. I was there in person, which was amazing. And um, it was just one of those things that I was never really a Bears fan. I mean, it's, that's great for working with them because I don't have, uh, I'm not throwing things through the TV when, when things are going bad. But um, uh, yeah, my, my heart's with another, I have to admit. I've always thought that there's a little bit of a connection between the Broncos and the Bears. I mean, they're both orange, right? They get you got the orange in the color scheme. And then there's been some quarterback connection, right? Jay Cutler coming to Chicago from Denver. Kyle Orton, who actually used to live down the street from me up in Highland Park. He went to Denver for uh, after his time in Chicago. So there's a little connection. And now I'll add John Eskra to the list. That's right. Yeah, and it's kind of funny. Currently, I mean, you know, of course they have three Super Bowl titles, which the Bears can't really say recently. But I, I, I've, I've said that to other people that they're the franchise is going through the same issues that the Bears are going through right now. They can't get a quarterback. You know, the, the defense is great. The offense is trying to catch up, and by the time the offense catches up, the defense won't be great anymore. I mean, they're almost mirror images. Plus, Fangio is there, so there's another Fangio. Um, it's a uh, it's frustrating times for both both of those teams because of uh, the quarterback issue, and you know, it's it's that's the way it is in the NFL. If you don't have a quarterback, you're in trouble. And you're used to it. Well, you're used <laughs> to having a quarterback, I should say, with Elway, yeah. right? Bears luckily, fans haven't been so lucky. Yeah, luckily, uh, quarterback has not been a problem over the last you know couple of decades. Although the last couple of years, it's been. It's been a struggle. And, and, you know, you feel bad for teams like the Jets and, you know, Tampa before Brady that they can't get it right. And um, now you're in that team photo and it's just uh, it's tough every Sunday when you when you know you don't really have a chance. I mean, that's that's the sad part. It's demoralizing, but let's not Absolutely. go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I don't want to be sad. It's we're recording right now on a Friday. It's 50 degrees and sunny. So let's not talk quarterback issues. Absolutely. <laughs> John, I really appreciate you joining me today. This was a lot of fun to look back at your time at CSU, hear what you're up to now. And folks, of course, you can check out John's wonderful work on Fox Sports Chicago. Thanks for having me. Thanks to John for joining me on the Shy State Pod. Great to hear from a Chicago State alum and someone who worked basketball games in the 80s when a lot of things in TV and sports looked a lot different, especially someone who now is working the Chicago State Athletics broadcasts. It's interesting to hear what it was like from John. So I hope you got a little insight from him, and I hope you appreciate the fact that I put a kibosh on the podcast the second it turned into quarterback lamenting. Because I don't know about you, if you're a Bears fan, but if you're anything like me, with the way this offseason is going, the last thing you want to do is talk about NFL quarterbacks. So that was it for the podcast. But anyway, appreciate John for hopping on. I'm Sam Brief here in the Windy City, and I hope to talk to you very soon on the next edition of the Shy State Pod. Adios, folks.